power on. Now entering the gaming grid. The latest gaming news, reviews, and retro culture, as only the man of tomorrow can deliver. And here is your host, Brian Sovereign. You know, lay back, everybody. <laughs> this one's going to be relaxing. Pardon me. Well, I have a sip of decaf coffee. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. You see, when you get off a of coffee, <laughs> after you've been addicted to it, really addicted to caffeine. And yes, I know there's no such, really no such thing as decaffeinated. There's always trace amounts, whatever. But when you get off of it, uh, you, you, you kind of want the, <laughs> you, you do get used to the flavor and there certainly is a, uh, actually there's research to back this up that just the act and the smell of making coffee can actually get your uh, creative juices flowing as much as the bean juices. Um, serious. There's absolute, I'm, I'm not kidding about that. There's absolute research on that. Um, and uh, personally, <laughs> as I have laid off of the caffeine, uh, by a significant amount, um, since just realizing, holy shit, stallion, you got to slow the fuck down. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, I, I can say that I've noticed it and it certainly helps with the, with the creativity overall. Uh, and it keeps you warm on a cold day. That's, that's for sure too. I've never been, I mean, I like tea, you know, I can dig Earl Grey and whatever, but I don't know. I, I, I was more of a Janeway than a Picard, I must say. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Give me that coffee black, baby. <laughs> anyway, we are here to do an episode that I'm sure you've already uh, uh, fathomed uh, or guessed at from the title. Uh, we're doing a top eight. And this one is uh, both requested and inspired by Sovereign Tech listeners. So I figured I would, uh, would, would get it in. Now, it's been a little while uh, since we've talked about music um, on any Sovereign Tech uh, episode. And even though, you know, on, on Sovereign Tech Prime episodes, on main episodes of Sovereign Tech, which, yes, they are coming, I guarantee you they're absolutely worth the wait. On uh, main episodes of Sovereign Tech, we would do album of the week, and that would end up being all kinds of things. It could be a lot of times it was metal because, sure, I get, you know, classified as a metalhead and not ashamed of that. But as I've often said, if I were really into a specific class of music, that class of music would be soundtracks. Generally, film soundtracks. And I don't mean soundtracks as in like, well, sometimes, you know, like hackers had a, had a great, you know, three volume soundtrack, even though half, not three quarters, nine tenths of the music was, wasn't even in the movie. Um, I'm not talking about like bullshit soundtracks from movies like clueless or I don't know what, wh whatever, pick, pick, pick your film that had some kind of like insane soundtrack come out. I mean, sometimes again, those could be good. Uh, like the queen of the dam soundtrack was fucking amazing. Um, even though ironically, like the style of music that would appear 
on the soundtrack it actually happened to be in the movie as well. But the guy who did the score for the, for that movie also happened to be, you know, Jonathan Davis of, of corn fame. But anyway, you know what I mean? The, uh, the, the star Wars, you know, soundtracks like that, where you're getting the grand epic scores, um, and so on, you know, from Jerry Goldsmith, the greatest composer of all time, uh, you know, and go down the list of them, though, those can, you know, Basil Polderi's, uh, you know, music for Conan or Robocop, you know, all, all that grand stuff or Hans Zimmer's Crimson Tide, easily one of the greatest soundtracks ever done. Um, that's, you know, that's the stuff that's at the top of my list. Now, what happened is where this episode came from. And I can't believe we've never done this before, but I looked back and in the decade history of Sovereign Tech, this has never been done. So this is a first, but the most recent episode that I had done was about, uh, my experiences, my gaming experiences on my 386 computer back in the day. And yeah, it's back in the day because, you know, let me tell you, I'm about to turn 40 and, uh, <laughs> when you think about it, that's a lot of time, <laughs> like that's, <laughs> it's, it's mind boggling really. Uh, I mean, I don't feel old at all, like not at all, you know, mind, body, every part of me, nothing feels old or weary or, well, maybe there's some weariness, but that's more around like the, the circles that I've, uh, you know, put myself in or have existed within, I guess, um, especially over the past, well, as long as sovereign tech's been around, you know, Liberty circles, tech circles, and so on. You just, I mean, that certainly there's a weariness there. Um, but you know, as far as like my, you know, again, my mental and physical capacities, um, never been in many ways, never been better. So that's it. Uh, <laughs> it is, you think about the amount of things that you've experienced and, you know, 40 years is a lot to experience, especially when it's the past 40 years where the world has been turned upside down at least two, three times. You know, you count the, the advent of the personal computer and the internet. Uh, you could count the mobile revolution if you wanted, you know, starting with the, the iPod and then, you know, eventually with the iPhone and, and Android and so on. Uh, you could talk about nine 11. You could talk about hell. You could talk about 2020, um, and even 2021, I mean, the, the world has for everybody on the planet, it's not like it's just some, you know, local, lo local humdrum going on, but around the planet, you know, the world has been turned upside down quite a few times inside of that 40 years, which I could go on a whole diatribe about that, but maybe I'll save it for when I actually do turn 40, uh, in, in a few days here, but I have experienced in that time. So, all right, real quick before, before I get into that time, uh, well, suffice to say I've experienced a lot of music. Okay. And I have experienced, uh, the growth of a lot of different industries, kind of like I was just hinting at, um, I've seen almost every generation of video game consoles. And that's what this comes out of is that during that 386, uh, gaming experiences, uh, episode, I talked about the music for a game called one must fall, uh, easily one of the greatest games ever made flat out. And then someone in the sovereign tech telegram group, which I recommend you join because whether I'm there or not, or, you know, new episodes are coming out often, or, you know, whatever the case may be that that train just keeps on rolling. 
and I love it. Uh, so someone in the, in the, the telegram group, like ripped the music from, <laughs> from one was fall and, uh, you know, and shared it in the, shared it in the group. And I mean, and it's just, it's that great of a soundtrack. I'm sure it inspired that. And then I got an email, uh, actually three of them, uh, from listeners saying, Hey, you know, cause why don't you talk about like gaming soundtracks? Where can we get these and all that? Well, one thing you can do is you can go to the telegram group and request them, I suppose. Uh, but I also have another alternative, which is a website I fairly recently discovered. Um, and you know, I make my rounds of places of websites, whatever that I download from, and it's not all torrents either. Um, this is one that is in my rounds, uh, my, my daily rounds at that. And the site is called, uh, video game music. It has a very weird URL. I'll share it in the show notes. Um, you do, you, you can download like one song at a time from it, unless you donate to them. And of course I recommend donating to them for their server costs because, this site has 7,661, no, 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 not albums, 7,661 gigabytes of video game music on it. Full on, you know, I mean, soundtracks, the whole thing. A lot of it are game rips that, you know, good luck finding those, you know, unless somebody rips them for you, you know, good luck finding those anywhere. Um, but I mean, just in, you know, a lot of tremendous stuff out of Japan. I mean, you know, the CD industry, you know, over there. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's, so they actually have a count on their, at the top of their site. There's a total of 30,227 albums, almost 1 million songs. It's a little over 900,000 songs uh, on, on this, on this website. It's amazing. It's downloads.khinsider.com. I'll link to it in the show notes. Like I said, uh, just brilliant. I mean, and, and, and the masterpieces that you can get on there, everything that I'm going to list off in this top eight is available there, um, to download. And we're going to, you know, we're just, we're going to relax. We're going to have some coffee and we're going to take a little trip down, down memory lane of the great, the top eight, the greatest video game soundtracks of all time. And this is irrespective of console, whether it's PC or console generation or game boy or whatever, you know, they're just, it's just the best. Uh, it might be fun in the future to, you know, to do full on top eights with maybe specific console generations, because I think that the list of greatest soundtracks can actually be very different than the list of greatest games per gaming platform that you're referencing. Uh, and, and so that, you know, that could really be a lot of fun. And as always, if you want to share these, you know, share your own lists, uh, you know, in telegram, um, I'd love to talk about them in a, in a future episode, but let's just kick back. Let's make it casual. And, uh, <laughs> uh I, I'm going to have one more sip of this, this fine, uh, uh decaf coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I could have hummed. The, game, the first game on this list right there when having that coffee. You never want dead air. But I think it's fun to listen to people uh, wet their whistles. I'm not, no, no, it's not. <laughs> but we're kicking back. We're just relaxing. I'm, I'm, I'm getting in some warmth on, on a cooler day, even though I imagine very soon here in uh, on Ice Planet Zero, also known as New Hampshire, uh, it's going to get heated pretty quick. So let's, uh, speaking of getting heated, <laughs> let's, let's go down this list. Um, it's funny that as we go down this top eight, very few on my list 
uh, are from a time where, where there was CD based media, where basically you could get really high quality, uh, sound as in sound greater than eight bit 60, you know, than, than what, you know, eight bit 16 bit games and cartridges, you know, classic cartridges could, uh, you know, could provide. Uh, it's amazing how many of those, you know, are here. Of course, a lot of those, I mean, here's the thing is that many classic video game themes would get established before you had CD quality audio available on console or even on PCs. So, you know, a, a lot of soundtracks later on would basically just implement, you know, some of these classic themes. And, you know, so I feel like you sort of have to talk about back in the day, you know, like you have to talk about the early generation because that's where a lot of the great themes and music and styles and implementations really started and, and came from. That doesn't mean that later on you can't get something, you know, really impressive or innovative that it should top the list. But things being what they are, uh, you're going to find that a lot of these games, I think actually every single one of them is pre 2000. Now, as I always say for these top eights, um, you know, if you're, if you're in the top eight, you're already number one, there's no real like number one to be had here. You know, like everybody's number one, cause you're in the top eight, especially for the greatest of all times, not just by console. Right. Um, so you know, there's no real order to this. So these are the eight best. And again, if you want to get your hands on them, I gave you the link to do so, right? We don't just talk about it on here. We take action. We give you actionable items. <laughs> we, we allow you to take action. Uh, so in, and legality, well, Hey, I'm an anarchist. What the fuck do I care? Moving on. <laughs> I mean, a lot of this stuff isn't available any other way. You basically would have to rip it yourself to be able to listen to it. Um, I do miss, you know, something I loved when we went into like CD based audio uh, or music in games was that you used to be able, I remember doing this with Warcraft two, um, which tremendous soundtrack actually could be, could have been on the top eight, but I remember when Warcraft two, you could put the CD in a CD player and you could actually listen to the soundtrack. You could do it with dark portals as well. It's, um, you know, it's expansion. Um, I mean, nowadays with a lot of games that you get. You can actually, uh, they'll often they'll give you like GOG or even steam or some others will give you copies, uh, MP3 files of the game soundtrack or, uh, something that's a little more prevalent on the switch and other consoles is that there will be a kind of a, a, a museum, uh, or, or an audio gallery essentially where you can go into the game itself and you can play the music and just listen to the music, which is nice. You know, I mean, you want to toss in more bonus features. I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you, even though I'd rather have the MP3 files, but I've told you how to get them. And so we will move on. Um, this isn't something where I have to worry about, well, gee, maybe nobody can hear this stuff. And so why am I talking about music when nobody can hear it? No, no, no. I'm telling you how you can go and listen to it and get the point. Um, that's why I'm not going to sample it here, but um, and I've done that in the past where I like, I sampled the music with the, and I never really ran into copyright issues, but you know, for the feed being what it is, there, there's no real need to take the risk, um, you know, for an episode like this, because again, it's casual, we're having fun. So let's get into it, uh, with the first on our list. And this might surprise people. Um, frankly, you know, what, what could really top 
a, a, a video game soundtracks top eight is any star Wars game, right? Because now it's not to say that they don't use original music. Uh, many of them do certainly now, uh, that's very commonplace, but was far more commonplace back in, you know, the nineties or the, even the eighties and the nineties and so on was for star Wars games to, in whatever form it could use, you know, John Williams's music from the movies. And that makes perfect sense. Like, of course, it's exactly what you want, because if it didn't do it, you'd sure as fuck be humming it when you played it. Whatever Star Wars game that is, be it X-Wing, TIE Fighter, or whatever, you know, or even, you know, Super Empire Strikes Back on SNES, you know, you take your pick. Um, So, you know, th- those those could easily be here. And TIE Fighter has a tremendous soundtrack, by the way. Um, But so I, I kind of I left those out. Because it, it's just too easy and they, and they could fill in the whole top eight. I mean, even the original ones like for Republic commando has an amazing soundtrack. Uh, so yeah, I, I went with something different, but, and I think some of these are going to surprise. Um, but regardless, number one is the game that I referenced in the 386 gaming experiences episode that I thought was had to be inspired by X-Wing and TIE Fighter, you know, flight simulators of that, of that ilk. And that is Nintendo's own Star Fox by Takaya Anomura. And this is, as soon as you get into it, I mean, like even when the cartridge just boots up and all you're getting is, I mean, they were, and they were also clearly very much copying like a Star Wars stylization where, you know, things are kind of flying overhead. You're getting this like, you know, drumming, foreboding, uh, 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 sound, you know, and it's all kind of, you know, MIDI synth sort of stuff, because I mean, that's just what the SNES could do, um, you know, in 1993 when that came out. Uh, but you know, so you're getting that, that, you know, somewhat lower key kind of music, but you, it's foreboding, you know, something bad's about to happen, but then, you know, the heroic star Fox logo, you know, or Lilat Wars, depending what part of the world you're in, uh, you know, comes up. And you're going to go into the training. And as soon as you're into the training, it's on. The music is on. I mean, just really intense, really exciting, very, I mean, very upbeat and really gives you a back. You know, I mean, I think maybe they felt that, wow. Yeah. Okay. With the super effects chip on Star Fox, we are achieving 3D graphics here on the SNES, but it looks pretty shitty compared to what's on PC. And maybe they thought, you know, we've got to make the music as exciting as we fucking can, because otherwise people are going to think, well, you know, I can get a better experience elsewhere. And maybe you could, you know, and and you could, I mean, with TIE Fighter or X-Wing, you know, even some of the Wing Commander games, uh, you could get a, a somewhat better experience. But you, the music was just so on point um, every every time, whatever you happen to be doing, the music perfectly blends with the action. If it needs to make things exciting, it's exciting. If it's slowing down and you're doing more turret action, it's slowing down a bit. Um, and incredibly heroic, you know, which I also think you need to get people to take seriously, you know, like a three foot Fox, uh, <laughs> blasting away and going into space. Actually, I'm not sure at all how tall Fox McCloud is, but there you go. Um, but it's really a soundtrack where as soon as the training music hits, you know, it's on, uh, and, and incredibly exciting. And again, the din, 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 I mean, it, it feels like the Imperial March, 
in a way. Uh, but, but it's not, it's original, it's on its own and it does. And it, it just, it sets the tone and the mood perfectly. Um, you know, for a game that is, albeit inferior to what PC was doing, that is such a visual feast to have such an audio feast as well, uh, really made it feel like you were playing the future. And if somebody only had access to, you know, the SNES as a console, um, that, that had to be, you know, a pun intended, a game changing experience for them. So, uh, I gotta, I gotta give it to, uh, to Star Fox, uh, from 1993 on here. Now let's move on to number two. Uh, this is one that for many people would probably be their number one, if there was a number one. And that is from 1986. Hard to believe that old, but the legend of Zelda, uh, it's an easy pick. I have to admit, and really you could put in, you know, Zelda games like star Wars could take the entire top eight as far as greatest soundtracks go, because they, they just always are, uh, of course, done by the legend Koji Kondo, uh, who would handle so many other great franchises for Nintendo. Um, Legend of Zelda is another one where, and in fact, you're probably going to hear me say this a lot, where does the music hit you from the moment the cartridge powers on? Because a great soundtrack isn't just about the tunes. It's also about the presentation. And I think you need to do that. Like it needs to excite you the instant you hit the on button because you got to get hyped up and ready. You can't wait to get past, you know, the start screen and the settings and everything. It is time to play the game. Now it also has to be good when you get into the game it has to live up to that action and that excitement. But legend of Zelda did all that. Um, I don't have to hum it, but I did anyway, you know, as soon as that, as soon as that hits, you're seeing the waterfall, there's the flashing triforce, the big sword, it's just the most epic, exciting shit in the latter half or latter half of the, of the eighties. I mean, there, there is no soundtrack from the eighties in video games, frankly, that matches it. People can hum super Mario brothers all they want. You got goosebumps and chills. And I still do in 2021. I recently actually replayed legend of Zelda. Was, I mean, about maybe three, four months ago, went through the whole game. Um, and, and you know how crazy it is to play that game. I mean, you're lighting a bunch of bushes on fire to try and find secret stairwells and everything to have a soundtrack. So, I mean, the opening itself is the most epic fucking thing in gaming history, in my opinion. I mean, you know, as soon as that music hits and everything goes dark and it's showing you all the stuff that's in this world. I mean, you are, you are hyped. It is sonic steroids that you're hitting with Koji Kondo's Legend of Zelda. You hear me? But you've got it. You've got to keep people going. You got to keep people playing. Okay. And this, this is the eighties. You, you can't just like put on headphones and listen. I mean, yes, audiobooks were on tape at the time, but you can't just listen to audible, you know, while you're grinding away, even though it's not really grinding in this case, it's discovery. Um, you know, while you're looking for all those secret stairwells and everything else, you have to have music that is going to keep you excited. When you are going into a dungeon, you have to have music that scares the piss out of you. Even when you're, you know, from, from ages six to 60, you got to be scared shitless when you go in there and man, whatever the trick was that they pulled off on that cartridge to make the dungeon music kind of reverberate and sort of echo. Like you felt the music didn't just, I mean, the music was perfect. It was dark, but what was really amazing was that, that, you know, that fucking eight bit game, somehow they pulled off where, when you're in the dungeon, these walls are all around you. 
that it sounded like the music was bouncing off of the walls. Even with, you know, shitty little mono speakers on our 24 inch, you know, CRTs, right? <laughs> From Zenith, you know, that we were playing this game on. Amazing. Absolutely amazing, that soundtrack, and still easily listenable to this day. And the themes from it continue to get used in Zelda games uh, for a very good reason. So 1986 Legend of Zelda easily could take top spot if we were doing a top spot on this one. Number three, uh, I know there's a lot of Nintendo here. Trust me, <laughs> the Nintendo stops right here. <laughs> All right. Um, but number three goes to something very close to the legend of Zelda. Um, I mean, there's so, and, and we'll get into some bonuses because you can't just talk about eight. We'll get into some bonuses in this. In fact, I'll give you a bonus here because it's not it. So, so there, there are two, here's a funny thing. Um, the first, what I kind of argue is the first NES game that I ever had. First Nintendo game I ever had was Kung Fu launch title. Well, it, it's a solid game. I mean, very tight controls. It's, it's a good game. It doesn't really have any music to it. I mean, it has a whole, whole, you know, it has like all these, you know, karate sounds or whatever else, but it doesn't really have any music to it. Played the shit out of that game though, you know? Uh, and, and sometimes what I would do admittedly is I, I, I made mixtapes at the time from like my favorite movies where I'd record, I have the tiger off of, you know, my VHS copy of Rocky four, or, uh, yes, it was in the beginning of Rocky four. If you remember, it's not just in Rocky three. Um, you know, and sometimes I would like play that over the, the, the tape player, which happened to be on top of the television where I was playing on the NES, uh, you know, to, to, to hype things up. But I really wanted the game itself to deliver the music for me. Right. Uh, Kung Fu was one that didn't do that. So Kung Fu is, I always kind of consider my first NES game, my second and third NES games, or how I like to think of them were ones, they were like the first games I ever bought by myself with my own money. Um, and those were two, there was Metroid and then there was uh mega man three. Now Metroid also from 1986, like legend of Zelda has uh, a tremendous soundtrack. Um, very, very low key, but it, it's perfect. And even like the, the very, the very, the very soft hints uh, of tone in the opening with the stars kind of twinkling with the music playing at the same time, but just those simple little notes uh, that, uh, you know, the Tanaka-san put, you know, had going in the beginning of that worked perfectly for the game. It's a perfect soundtrack, but it's also, you know, it's not like a full, full on soundtrack. I mean, there's some like, you know, when you're going around, you know, whatever, Brinstar and all this, uh, it, it's got enough to make you move, but everything's meant to be very understated. That that's, that's the word I should use for that with Metroid, but it is perfect for what the game is. It really, really works. Um, Mega Man three isn't just perfect for what it is. And it certainly is that Mega Man three is the greatest Mega Man soundtrack of all time. And that's saying something when you consider how many Mega Man games there are, including X and, you know, ZX and battle network and go down the list. Um, but it is the one that when you start the game, just like Legend of Zelda, the music hits first. And it is very similar to Legend of Zelda where it is an epic opening. And you can't forget it after you hear it. And it starts off, you know, again, with a really like slow epic sound, almost like somebody was opening up with a piano. 
and then it gets into the, you know, into the fast beat and, you know, you are ready to get into the game. You know, you got the slow opener, but then it gets into the, you know, the action music before you even get into the game. And then once you get into the game, here's the thing. So with Mega Man games, um, you generally make different music for each uh, boss level, right? So Snake Man has different music. Magnet Man has different music. Gemini Man has different music. Mega Man 3 is probably the singular Mega Man game, not just because it's the one I perhaps I played the most, though that's not exactly true. I think I played Mega Man 6 perhaps the most, uh, next to like Mega Man 0. But I, I can hum every single boss battle. You know, even getting when you get to Dr. Wily, I can hum every one of those tunes because each one of the, especially like Snake Man's music is amazing. You can even whistle the Proto Man theme. I mean, I mean, you know, it's that memorable. It's that well done. It's that exciting. And, you know, Mega Man games are punishing games. The music has to, edu- you know, has, has to keep you going. And it does in Mega Man 3. Uh, incredibly, incredibly epic soundtrack, especially for, for an 8-bit game. But it still holds up. Um, the odd thing with Mega Man games is that you rarely get, uh, you know, where, where they kind of redo the music, you know, or where they reuse the music, where they recycle the music in future, uh, entries in the series, which is so odd, but you could listen to Mega Man soundtracks. I mean, all the time, there's so damn many of them and they're all very different. Uh, in fact, I don't know of another, I mean, there might be little too like the Proto Man theme. Of course, it's just a little whistle that that would get used in other games. Um, but I don't know many game franchises where, yeah, where every single one has like almost no hint or really no hint of music from previous entries in the series somewhere. And it's just, it's just not there uh, with Mega Man. It, it, it's amazing, but the music's that good. And Mega Man three, I mean, again, I also think it's, it's not just the greatest Mega Man score. It, it's also the greatest Mega Man game. Everybody always argues between two and three. Frankly, I think three the music is part of what edges three out over Mega Man two and makes it the better game because you're just fucking excited as shit. As soon as you power on that cartridge. So I'll give it to that from 1990 uh, Mega Man three by uh, the Fujita brothers. Uh, just tremendous, tremendous work. Now let's go on to number four. Number four is a contentious matter. Not that the music is contentious. Oh no, no. Well, it is, but not, not in its sound. Uh, the music's actually amazing. In fact, I have said on record somewhere, I'm sure I have said that this is the greatest soundtrack game soundtrack of all time. Reason being is who it's by. Now you don't know who it's by. If you just play the game, you wouldn't know, but after careful analysis, and if you're a big enough dork like myself, you know what you're hearing. Sonic 3. So Sonic the Hedgehog 3 from 1994 on the Sega Genesis. Okay. The, in many ways, the game, the Sonic game that time forgot. Why? Well, it has to do with the music. But Sonic 3, its soundtrack is done. I mean, if you, if you watch it, if you go through the credits and everything, it'll say like, uh, 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 June Sanu and Brad Buxer. Um, here's the thing that soundtrack is actually was actually done by none other than the King of pop himself. Uh, none other than Michael Jackson, Brad Buxer 
it was actually like a, like a manager or an agent of some kind for Michael Jackson. And that's why his name still kind of appears on that, but especially the most clear case of where, you know, this is Michael Jackson's music is I believe in the credits for Sonic three, where you hear it and it's the same exact tune, albeit, you know, in a 16 bit game, uh, you know, with limited soundtrack capabilities or sound capabilities. It is the same backbeat to stranger in Moscow. It's the same. It's, it's, it's the song. I mean, you, you can just hear it and stranger in Moscow, of course, you know, from disc two of Michael Jackson's, uh, history, uh, you know, double, double disc, uh, greatest hits album with the second disc being new music. Well, a lot of that new music was made from shit that was used in Sonic three created originally by none other than Michael Jackson. Uh, so for that reason alone, I think it deserves the title of being the best ever because it's by the best ever, you know, as, as, as far as music goes. And uh, I mean, and, and longtime listeners of Sovereign Tech, you know very well how I feel about Michael Jackson, um, but I, I won't, <laughs> I won't retread that here. Uh, but here's the rub. So, you know, it's funny, like it was M2 was doing those Sega ages re-releases uh, for, for the Nintendo switch, which were brilliant. Right. I mean, all the Thunder Force AC, um, man, I mean, just the laundry, you know, virtual racing, uh, they did Sonic one and Sonic two. It's a funny thing. And, and you could look at a lot of different like Genesis collections and, and all different kinds of games. And for some reason, we almost never get a re-release of Sonic three. We'll even get like a re-release of Sonic two with knuckles added in, you know, with Sonic and knuckles uh, baked in, right? Remember that cartridge where you could put any of the Sonic games in and you could add in knuckles, really cool idea. Well, the reason that Sonic three rarely gets re-released if ever is because of the rights issues around the music in the game. It totally, or at least that's the going theory, but there is a lot, um, a lot of evidence to suggest it basically, you know, Michael Jackson died in 2009 and it was after that, that suddenly, um, Sonic three, like stops getting re-released. And, you know, again, the theory goes is that it's because there are legal problems with the Michael Jackson estate. Now it's not unironic that there are rumors going around right now that a lot of that's been cleared up and Sonic three will be getting some kind of a re-release. Uh, which I mean, I applaud. It's a great game. Granted, I can always, you know, easily crank up an emulator or, you know, there's, there are collections pre 2009 that uh, it's available on, but it's a shame because it's a great soundtrack and could really sell as an album entirely on its own, even today uh, that I would applaud uh, existing, but you know, I mean, it, it kind of does cause you have the big anniversary collections and everything, but anyway, um, yeah. I hope that did get cleared up. The, the game deserves a re-release and people deserve to hear a tremendous soundtrack, even though, Hey, I gave you the website where you can go listen to it. It's easily enough to hear it on emulators and everything, but you know, for the masses that whatever obey the rules, I'd like for them to hear it. <laughs> I hate rules. Uh, okay. Moving on. So number five, number five is, uh, this is a game soundtrack also from 1993. Kind of interesting how, how those you know, those years uh, keep popping up as far as like now, granted, yes, I was of a certain age at the time. Um, but also I think if you got other people to sit down and make these kinds of lists, their lists might look fairly similar to mine. Um, 
regardless of really, I think their age. So there's, you know, these were just very formative years for gaming. And so a lot of the best stuff, best ideas, best music, best, whatever, you know, all kind of came to fruition. Then, um, this is one that here we do have a PC game and the, the opening music for this, uh, and I think I've talked about this before. I actually used to play this like every morning, not the game. Uh, if I had to boot up the game to be able to hear the music, I would do that. But this, the, the music from this game, like I just, I wanted it to be my alarm clock. You know, it just got me ready to go, uh, to join the demons of hell. I mean, to take them on. Wait, however you want to think about that. <laughs> but the game is doom. Uh, from 1993. And of course the classic soundtrack done by Robert Prince. Uh, I mean, as soon as that, I mean, you're just, you are ready to go. And amazingly in MIDI, it sounded like a metal soundtrack, which is, uh, you know, no small feat, uh, to pull off, but you know, Robert Prince really delivered on that. Um, and that, that opener, again, it's all about as soon as you turn the game on, is it going to, you know, is it getting you ready to, to jump into action? And it does. And then the music within the game itself, uh, you know, can be lower key, and, but I mean, it just, it works. And when it needs to be intense and I mean, the whole thing's dark, it's just, it's there. Uh, a tremendous, tremendous soundtrack. Uh, definitely one of the greatest of all times for, for, for a game that is absolutely one of the greatest of all time. Uh, let's move on to number six. And I know what you're expecting. Like, come on. There's gotta be a dragon warrior or final fantasy here somewhere. Like you can't talk about the greatest soundtracks of all time without getting one of those in. Well, you're right. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to say Final Fantasy VII, mind you. Um, the, the one that really hooked me was Final Fantasy VIII, because that is a game so fucking dialogue heavy. I mean, Final Fantasy VII is as well. Many Final Fantasy VII, or Final Fantasy games are. Um in fact, it's going to speak to something that's going to round out uh, a good part of our list here or, or close to rounding out our list. But you, you know, there's, there's some boring times in final fantasy games. Let's just say it. And you need to spice things up just like I applauded, you know, with the incredible you know, inclusion of pop music in like final fantasy 10 um, and, you know, 10, two or X two, whatever you want to call it. But uh, Nobuo Uematsu, I have now I've gone to distant worlds concerts. I mean, that's how much I care about video game music is that I will go to a concert to, to hear video game music performed um, by fairly official people. Uh, the distant world soundtracks are, are, you know, amazing must haves in anybody's uh, collection. I think, but final fantasy eight from 1999, when that, operatic opening hits and it is opera because now we're at the time where we can get CD quality sound. You know, we can bring in full music here. Okay. All instruments ready to go. There's no, you know, no bullshit or not that eight bit music, you know, or 16 bit, uh, you know, cartridge music was bullshit. Obviously we just got done talking about how great it was. Um, absolutely delivered and got you so fucking hyped for the game. I think a lot of people, in fact, Here's the problem, I think, for a lot of people with Final Fantasy VIII. First off, it's coming off of Final Fantasy VII. Um, for many, what's considered the greatest RPG of all time. You're wrong, but I get it, okay? You're coming off, off of that. So you got to live up to that hype. Good luck. 
Um, even though I think Final Fantasy VIII actually delivered and nine delivered perhaps even more. You got to come off of that. But then the opening music for Final Fantasy VIII is so exciting that when the game like basically opens with to a crawl, uh, you're you're so hyped up, and then it's just eh. <laughs> you know you're <laughs> the the excitement just just doesn't continue. But I think that it works. Like I get it. I still think that it works. That said, um, also, I mean, the, like the love music in it, you know, with full singing, the whole thing, uh, was, was tremendous. Um, I know everybody thinks of Aerith's theme and, or well, Aerith, Aerith, which is it? No, <laughs> everybody thinks about that, but no, I, yeah. Final fantasy eight, I mean, had a soundtrack that you could listen to over and over and over again. Now, yes, when you listen to, especially on a distant worlds, uh, uh, CD, when you listen to, you know, full orchestra doing final fantasy seven. Yeah. That's a great soundtrack too. I mean, and it's, it's great, you know, uh, straight ripped right off the CD, but, um, but final fantasy eight really made everything cinematic in a big way. And I think it delivered and I think the soundtrack was right there with it. So got to give it to, to final fantasy eight, as far as, well, I would say best soundtrack in, in the in the franchise, but anyway, let's move on to number seven. Number seven is Panzer Dragoon Saga from 1998. Uh, and this has actually had, so this is originally by Siori Kabayashi. Um, but Mariko Nanba, I believe it was re-released this in just a couple of years ago in like 2018. Uh, what is it? Brave wave? I think is the, 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 um, whatever it's a band camp page. Uh, I, I guess you could call it the studio, <laughs> right? But effectively, I mean, who, everybody has a studio in their fucking house now. So it's basically the label. Um, and they put out some great collections, but they did a re-release of the Panzer Dragoon saga soundtrack. They called it resurrection. It's stunning. Um, you know, I just got done talking about Final Fantasy VIII, how it made everything cinematic and blah, 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 and took everything to the next level. In 1998, Panzer Dragoon Saga was a game so much bigger than any Final Fantasy game or Dragon Warrior game of the day. It was bigger than any RPG of the day. It had massive amounts of pre-rendered cutscenes compared to any other RPG. Um, it had, I mean, full voice cast, Right. Like this, and, and in fact, not only just a full voice cast, but it was all spoken in a different fucking whatever panzerese or whatever they wanted to call the language. Uh, you know, it was all in a different language and all, all texted genius, right? Because with final fantasy games and dragon warrior games at the time, you had to read all the text and blah, blah, blah. I mean, in this, you still kind of had to read the text, but it was so cool to hear it in the original language because it was all about that immersion and the music definitely got you immersed. Uh, just a, a genius soundtrack by Kabayashi-san and well worth a re-release. And I'm glad it did get re-released because if people can't play the game very widely and you can't, um, at least they can listen to the fucking music. This game, for those that don't realize, uh, actually on a lot of magazines. So this came out, talk about, you, you think Final Fantasy VIII was competing against Final Fantasy VII? No, no, no. Final Fantasy VII's real competitor was Panzer Dragoon Saga. Okay. And in most, or at least many magazines, 
Panzer Dragoon Saga ranked higher, you know, got better scores than Final Fantasy VII. Not that I, you know, game critics are what they are. But if you want to tell, you want to talk about greatest RPG of all time, I'll point at this before I'll point at Final Fantasy VII because it blew it away in 98 and it still blows it away in just how revolutionary it fucking was. And in some ways still is. I mean, it's, 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 it's just a massive game. I mean, it was four discs, you know, on, on the Saturn. Uh, it's just, it's a shame that it, it's never gotten re-released because I think people would be all over it. It still plays well today. I play it on my Saturn. Uh, hell, I was playing it on my Saturn a couple days ago. Amazing. So there we go with uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga and do pick up that Resurrection re-release. Um, number eight. Number eight is, you know, we got, we got to give the PlayStation a little more love because definitely a console that had a, just a metric ass ton of great soundtracks. Um, and this is one where it was originally an arcade game and the arcade soundtrack is great. But certainly the additions and a lot of the things that were added into the PlayStation version of this game uh, took it up to 11, right? And that is, if you were in the arcade in 1995, it was Soul Edge. If you were playing it on PlayStation, it was 1997, and it was called Soul Blade, at least in the United States. Um, The Soul series, as it is called, with Soul Blade, Soul Edge, Soul Calibur, go down the list. The Soul series probably has as far as consistency per game. And granted, it's a series that only has about six, seven games to it, right? Uh, maybe you could count them a little bit differently depending upon versions or something. But it's a series that only has that many games. But consistently across those at least seven games, these are the best game soundtracks, I think, every single time. There's a ton of variety for all the different characters and different levels, you get nice little themes, you get big themes on some of the levels. Um, I mean, even in, you know, cause these games, the soul series, these games are absolute works of art. And you say, how could that be with a fighting game stallion? No, I'm fucking telling you not that it's an art form to play them. It is that maybe not to the level, like say street fighter two or a mortal Kombat game, but they, it is, it is poetry in motion to use a phrase. These games are absolute art. They are on the grandest scale. Every single one of them. And they do such clever things for like where they try to even bring in little bits of RPG elements into fighting games, you know, and they've been doing this forever. Um, and every time there, there's not a bad, there's not a bad soul caliber. You understand? I mean, they're, they're just, or soul series of games. There just isn't. And they're always, I think, top of class. Um, it's tough to say like, what are the best fighting franchises? You know, Mortal Kombat's really up there. I, I fucking love Primal Rage. Um, I mean, we could talk about, you know, Eternal Champions, I think is incredibly underrated, but brilliant. But man, the Soul series really, really just takes it. I mean, the, the Soul series, I keep these soundtracks local on my smartphone or whatever device at all times, just in case I lose internet. Well, at least I can listen to the Soul, <laughs> to the Soul soundtracks. Because they're, they're that fucking good. You know, I basically have the, the, you know, the, the soundtracks from the, the soul series of games and like the man of war discography and maybe white snake and I'm fine. Uh, (laughs) Really? Uh, I could desert Island. Put me on there. I've got it. I'm there. So that rounds out our number eight. Um, and just like the opening music on the PlayStation version of 
love of Soul Edge for Soul Blade. It's cheesy as fuck, but that song still gives me chills. I mean, just pure excitement. So anyway, um, let, let, let me break down the list again quick. Uh, Star Fox, of course, the original. Legend of Zelda, the original. Mega Man 3, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, Doom, the original from 93. Even though the Doom soundtracks in the you know modern uh, reboots, you know, from 2016 up in Doom Eternal, amazing soundtracks as well. They, they could have made this list. Um, Final Fantasy VIII, and then Panzer Dragoon Saga, and of course, Soul Blade or Soul Edge. Now, there's some I got to mention. Probably the soundtrack that is the most recognizable in video game history and that the most people would hum would be Super Mario Brothers, like I brought up earlier. And that's also by Koji Kondo, who also did Legend of Zelda. I mean, it's hard to argue about that. You know, it is a tremendous soundtrack. So simple, but you just, you know, I mean, they're earworms. Like, you you can't forget them uh, after you hear them. It's just fantastic. Uh, but it's a, it's a game where, you know, the music doesn't really open it up. As to where, like I said, I think that's part of what makes for a great game soundtrack, okay, is that it's got to hit you right from the beginning, or you got to get stunned with visuals, which I know in 86, you weren't going to get that. 85, 86, you weren't going to get that with, you know, the NES uh, right out of the gate. So there's that. I mentioned Metroid. Uh, again, uh, an understated score but or soundtrack, but one that delivers and does the job. It's, it's really, really perfect for that. Another easy one that really could have been on here was was Streets of Rage 2 uh by Yuzo Koshiro and I mean that that's fuck that that that's just like a great techno album <laughs> it's a great dance album that that's just it you know and and for a lot of people that is the greatest game soundtrack of all time and I'm not gonna argue it uh but it, it that one's a little easy to call you know like that you could put that maybe a number zero, but that boy, that soundtrack's fucking great. Like no argument from me on that whatsoever. One that I wanted to get in here and before somebody yells at me for not getting in any Xbox on this, Martin O'Dell and Michael Salvatore's work on the Halo franchise overall has been beyond exceptional. I don't know what stronger term to use. Um, talk about something that has a talk about a lower key score. And like very simple, you know, dun, 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 right. It's amazing how simple, like, or how, how also understated, I guess would be the term, you know, kind of the, a lot of the, the little themes and everything are in that, but then how fucking epic it is at the same time. Uh, the music works perfectly. And when you get into later games in the Halo franchise, um, I mean, it all just really just gets bigger and bigger as you go along. Um, I always felt it was a little, maybe a little too understated in the original Halo for Xbox, but it was great. Like that opening, I could leave, you know, the, the start screen going forever and just hear that music. And it, and, and it, you know, it gave you the feeling, all right, we're going into action, but it was like, it was, again, it was lower key. Um, brilliant, you, you know, absolutely brilliant work. And it could easily have made the, the, the top eight, um, because there are themes within the Halo franchise. I mean, that just stick with everyone now. And, you know, Master Chief is just a fucking miracle as far as video games go. You know, as video game mascots and characters go, really, uh, for one to come that late in the game, as it were, uh, not not Halo, but, you know, the game of gaming. <laughs> it, it's that's that's amazing. But the music had a part to play in that. Uh, so, you know, Martin O'Donnell uh, really, really pulled it off. 
um, and Michael Salvatore, you know, with, with their work in the franchise. So I do want to give them that absolute honorable mention. They deserve it. And they deserve to be, you know, in the end here, uh, just tremendous soundtracks. All of the halo soundtracks are, are awesome, especially halo Two, fucking insane. Uh, anyway, so I will wrap that up. Um, we got in some bonus ones. Oh, you know, the other one I was going to mention, I talked about this earlier. Let me get this in. I talked about this earlier, how star Wars soundtracks could, you know, could easily take the top eight. You know, it had a great, a great, just a great star Wars soundtrack. And it was actually a more or less original shadows of the empire for the N64 used the themes and the PC version, especially used the themes that Joel McNeely wrote for the soundtrack to the book, essentially with shadows of the empire. And I'm not going to retread that history, but Joel McNeely did a score that in my opinion, absolutely at a time when this was not, I mean, now we got all kinds of people scoring star Wars shit back in 1996. No, John Williams made star Wars music. And that was the short and sweet of it. Yeah. I know there might've been a couple others involved, but you know, in, in other disparate things, but really it was John Williams. You know, it was his franchise. He owned star Wars at the time musically and Joel McNeely came in and did a fucking tremendous job. And to have that in the game, I thought, and for, you know, for them to use it in that, I thought was just brilliant. Um, and that could have made the top eight as well. Uh, I, I think that's an amazing, in fact, you know, I, we need to do, I don't know if, if Rob and I have done this, if we've done like best star Wars soundtracks, I think that would be a lot of fun, uh, to do in our, our little, we do little top eights, um, on tie fighter renegades here and there. So next time I'm on with my brother, we're, I think we're going to, We'll talk about that and we'll see when we can get that included on an episode of TIE Fighter Renegades. All right. So that is it. We're at almost an hour here for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it uh, and feel free to share your lists in the Telegram group. Hell, you can email them to me. And maybe when we do a deeper dive, like per console, um, I'll bring some of those up. Or maybe there's one, you know what? There's ones where I don't know that they exist. And maybe you played them and you're like, you know, Stanley, you got to hear the soundtrack and you can download it off that website that you put in the show notes. I can't wait. I'm always looking for new, great music. Always. It's just such a big deal for me. So I was uh, honored to be able to share this with you. I know it was by request, uh, as well as inspiration from sovereign tech listeners, and I'll be back with more fun episodes to come. And, uh, well, maybe soon there'll be some real fun stuff out there, but I'll see all of you. Woo on the other side. Game over.